Welcome to the Voices in Recovery podcast. Voices in Recovery is produced by Freedom's Path Recovery Society, a registered Canadian charity. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider a donation at www.freedomspathrecoverysociety.ca. All donations go directly to assisting Freedom's Path in providing services free of charge and helps us keep the podcast going. We are grateful for any and all donations. This podcast discusses difficult topics such as childhood abuse, drug and alcohol use, sexuality, sexualized trauma, and more. If you are under the age of 18, please speak with your legal guardian prior to listening. The opinions expressed during the podcast are those of the individual and not those of Voices in Recovery or Freedom's Path Recovery Society. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. This podcast is being recorded on the traditional land of the Blackfoot Confederacy. This consists of the Kainai, Pekani, Siksika, and the Blackfeet in the U.S. We acknowledge the Stony Nakoda, which consists of the Bearspaw, Morley, and Chinookie. We acknowledge the Satina, who are Dene, and the Métis, Inuit, status and non-status from all of Turtle Island, and those who are visiting. We are all treaty people. Well, Chuck... Welcome, man, and thank you for coming. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, man, it's, it's uh, our pleasure, and take it away. Yeah, we're in a different room, so if I act weird, it's because I'm in here and I'm not used to this. Okay. Because like, in the other room, I just sit in that big chair, and I just kind of like go to sleep Lounge, a little yeah. bit. Yeah, so, yeah, but it feels pretty good in here. The sound's good? Yeah? Okay. Awesome. Cool, okay. man. Well, great. Yeah, first again, David, thank you for having me. Um, You're welcome. So, yeah, my name is Chuck Dargan. I am an addict, alcoholic, in recovery. Um, I almost said hi, Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, force of habit. Yeah, force uh, of habit. So, uh, yeah, I guess start at the beginning, I suppose. I was born on February 1st, 1988 in Toronto, Ontario. Um I moved to Calgary when I was about four, so I don't yeah. really have much memories of Toronto. I actually do, oddly enough, remember what the carpet looked like in my parents' house, but... Wild, eh? Yeah, isn't that wild? That yeah. is, man. What would what it look like? It was like that gray kind of shag, but like kind of with those little like coils where oh, it yeah. didn't really raise up, but you could like push down on yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I remember it well. It's crazy. Um, Whatever happened to carpets where you didn't have to get concussions when you fell on yeah, your head? That's a good point, right? Yeah. <laughs> totally, eh? Um... Actually, it's funny. I have something kind of similar in my apartment now, but um, oh, not, still, still not quite the same. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I moved to Calgary when I was like four. Um, in my childhood, um, my childhood wasn't necessarily bad, but I did always, even at a young age, kind of have a bit of a strained relationship with my dad. Um, yeah, he was, he was I, I felt he was kind of hard on me growing up mm. a little bit. Um, and as a child, it's, it kind of created a fair amount of fear in me. Yeah. I was always, he always drove sports cars. So when his, I could hear his car come out the drive, I remember my heart always sinking in my chest mm-hmm. a little bit. Just a little worried about, um, you know, him just coming home. And obviously this is not a direct result of that. I probably had a lot of this in me. I did, at a young age, kind of start to rebel a little bit at school. Mm-hmm. Um, getting into trouble, doing things like swearing, uh, disobeying orders. Playing with sticks on the playground when I like, know very well that's not allowed. Yeah. So started doing those kind of things. And um, so I was no stranger to trouble even at a young age. Um, pretty frequent uh, uh, calls home to my mom. and um, But uh, st- still, the relationship with my mom, though, was was, was very good. I, she, I could tell even at a young age, though, she, she'd get 
I'm the oldest of four. Mm -hmm. So she was getting a little, you Is that know, chair okay, man? It's, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, she was getting a little bit, uh, you know, I, me being the firstborn, she's never been a parent before. I think she's getting a little overwhelmed even at a young age. You know, I was getting in trouble. I have a sister, too, who's 16 months younger, so very close in age. She was the opposite of that. Very well behaved, very respectful, doing well in school. Um, so, yeah, as my childhood progressed, these kind of behaviors kind of continued. Um, you know, like, I never did anything terrible. I never, like seriously hurt anybody or anything like that, but kind of all, just, just doing enough trouble where I wasn't in severe trouble, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Totally. Right? Um, you weren't going to federal prison when you were yeah, doing stuff. Yeah, not even juvie. Even. Yeah, I managed not to even avoid juvie. that as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, so then it was around maybe, maybe around the sixth grade, around the seventh grade. That's when my grades really took a nosedive. Mm -hmm. And as a result of that, I started getting in significantly more trouble um, at home. Mostly, I wasn't really getting in trouble behaviorally, but my mm. grades were pretty bad. Teachers were calling, like, he's not applying himself. He's not studying. I just had a huge aversion to it. I don't mm. know. I just didn't want to do it. Uh, I would fight tooth and nail to not do it. And this was around the time when my dad really started getting much more involved in my, uh, in my upbringing. He was a very scholastic guy. He's got... Uh, very successful, went to college, all this, and he kind of, you know, me being the firstborn, I would assume wanted the same for me. Mm -hmm. And when my grades were slipping, he really got up in my, uh, up in my stuff. And I was never like seriously physically hurt, but he was, he didn't spare the rod, if that mm -hmm. made sense too. Oh yeah, um, I know the, t I know the guy. Yes, exactly. Um, and I really started. This didn't. This approach did not work on me at all. I started to rebel more. Now around the eighth grade, my behavior really started to get bad. And also, I should go back. Around the seventh grade, too, this is when some of my really bad habits started to take form. Yeah. Uh, started drinking on the weekends. And um, so, drinks on the weekends. Sorry, man. Yeah, no, no worries. <sighs> so, that's when, yeah, it started to... So uh, hot, man. Yeah, it is toasty, wow. eh? Yeah, I was just trying to open up some air movement. No, no, for sure. Absolutely. <sighs> so, yeah, around grade seven to eight, that's when, you know, started drinking on the weekends. Sneaking into the parents' liquor cabinet, you know, dumping, pouring half the vodka into something else and then filling mm. up water. Classic, classic kid stuff. Not necessarily something that would lead someone to believe that you would head down the path of addiction. Most people I knew did these kind of things. Uh, me too. Yeah. Exactly. Same thing. Um, but, um, and you know, to be honest, uh, I didn't have as much a taste or care for it as most of my friends did. Mm -hmm. They were the ones who were literally drinking. I remember even times where I would fake, dump some down the sink, and I'm like, oh, man, look, I'm so wasted. Because um, I just, I couldn't stomach the shit. I was just, um, but then around getting into grade eight, I changed a little bit, like, you know, and this is where I think I can reflect now with a little bit of sobriety under my belt. I can look back on, here's where, I guess, for lack of a better term, we'll call it, I became a baby addict. Mm. Because I still did not care for the taste. Because mm. at, at this point, we would only really do the hard stuff. Beer, we needed too much of it. And, mm. you know, and, but I still hated the taste, but I did like the effect. Mm. I like that, getting to that point of inebriation. Um, so I can reflect on that now and say, you know, I'm not heading down a great path. Of course, I'm a kid at the time and I'm not thinking anything of it. Everyone else is doing it, you know. Um, and people who say peer pressure is not a thing, they're full of crap. Mm -hmm. 
So this is in the eighth grade. Eighth grade was a big time for me uh, moving forward with some of these, uh, for lack of a better word, poor choices. Then I started dabbling in marijuana too. Uh, uh, again, ever so seldomly, but you know, if it was around, um, I was just became one of those kids who said, yes, I do that. Uh, and while this is going on, my grades are starting to plummet. I'm really getting in trouble left, right. It's a constant trouble. I'm rebelling against it, against it greatly now, which is just leading to more trouble. And uh, instead of taking any responsibility for this, I am blaming everyone else around me. I'm like, well, I, the elementary school I went to didn't teach me how to study properly. And now I'm in this school. Um, I don't get it. My dad drinks a lot. Like, I don't get why it's a big deal. So then we move into grade nine. These behaviors are continuing. Now, without fail, it's every weekend drinking. And I'm getting into so much trouble. I'm lashing out at people to the point where my parents have now made the decision that I need to go to a boarding school for the 10th grade. Another friend of mine, his, he's, his family has always gone to this school, so they got information from him. He was going there as well. So I wasn't totally opposed to the idea. I had a friend going. I thought it was going to be a new environment. And, and at the time, I didn't really think I needed to change any of my behaviors, but I thought this will be a, maybe a good change. So I went there, and grades still were not good at all. I was excelling a little bit in sports, though. It was a sports school. So that gave me a little bit more purpose. So actually, believe it or not, um, you could still get alcohol there. You know, you could ask the grade 12 guys to buy you a Mickey of something for a very marked up price. But I actually abstained for a little bit. I did get more interested in the sports. Um, obviously, the opposite sex became very appealing at that time, too. And um, so I, uh, but again, didn't want to, we had mandatory study time. I would just sit there like, you know, secretly noodle on my guitar or write down song lyrics. I suppose that's another aspect. I, music became a big part of my, okay. positive part of my life at yeah. this point too. I was playing a lot of guitar and stuff. And, and that also gave me a big sense of identity, especially mm -hmm. in boarding school. I was really, uh, specifically by my peers, praised for my musical talents. Mm -hmm. And You play did, a mean guitar, man. Yes. Thank you very much. Yes, you're welcome. Um, and uh, so then, yeah, talent shows, like even just unofficial little me and some other guys who played would just play. So this is giving me a lot of meaning. We're to the point where I'm thinking I want to, you know, kind of move forward pursuing music. But again, my grades are slipping. This is a boarding school, so I was disciplined constantly, constantly in trouble, constantly running laps, uh, doing this thing they would call Wilberforce, where basically all your free time, including sport time, was done doing manual labor. So as a result to now, the sports, the one, one of the few positive things that I was actually, that was kind of, I wasn't allowed to do that. Granted, totally my fault, did it to myself, but I, at the time, I was totally like, well, these assholes are now taking away this. It's just, you know, yeah. part of it is I'm heading down a bad path. Part of it too is I am a kid. Mm -hmm. um, but so then the rebellion just continued. Mm -hmm. Near the end of my time at boarding school, um, then the drinking, me and some other guys there, that started to pick up again. Uh, so pretty much every weekend, or more or less any time I could get my hands on it. We are a boarding school. Um, so, you know, you... Um, but then my parents have made the decision, because my grades were so poor, they kind of... I don't want to say given up on me, because that's not what they did, but they were more like, well, we're not going to pay this amount of money for you to go here and just, um, you know... And I, believe it or not, I didn't want to go now. I was enjoying the sports. I was enjoying the community I found there. 
Um, but, and understandably so, to my dad in particular, it was like, it's grades or nothing. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the reality is uh, there's lots of other things than grades, but I do get it. So then I came back to Calgary, and now I was going to public high school here. Um, that's when things really took a turn. Now, drinking on the weekdays, I'm skipping class, totally neglecting authority, um, smoking marijuana every day. Um, then these have now become my priorities. Uh, when's that next party? Um, who's going out the alley to smoke some dope? These are priorities now, completely. Don't give a shit about going to school. Don't give a shit about... Uh, and my behavior has become so erratic and, and violent at this point. Um, lashing out, breaking things at home when I'm, my mom tries to discipline me. Um, you know, just, just handling everything very, very poorly. And it's not really just teenage rebellion at this point. I'm definitely... I'm definitely get, being a little altered by the substances I'm using. You're feeling like it's escalating kind it, of it is. at that point. Like I, you know, because I, I was drinking quite a bit, again, not, uh, not necessarily every day, mm -hmm. but a lot of these last shots would happen after I've had some drinks because I'm just, I'm not tolerant to mm -hmm. any kind of criticism in the slightest. Yeah. Like you're, you're 17 years old. You shouldn't be drinking. That, that's enough. Yeah. Fuck you. We're fighting. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, and you know, it's. It's almost in that state that I was in at that point. I want to fight. That's what my go-to. I'm not willing to acknowledge right or wrong. It's what I want. So the selfishness has become a big part. So into grade 12, same thing. Now my parents have kind of tried a new approach with me, loosened up the rules just because I think it was too harmful for them at this point. So you don't have a curfew. Just don't die. Um, don't die. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Um, but so maybe on some level, them thinking that if they give me the freedom, I'll just make the right decisions or something. Sadly, they were not correct. So now weekdays, school nights. I had some friends who were already graduated high school so and they had their own apartments. So spending time over there, getting into all these behaviors. And it was um, here where I had already dabbled in hard drugs, but here's where it became much more frequent. Mm -hmm. So then high school ends, I don't, I don't get my high school diploma. It, it got to that point. Um, so then shortly after high school, uh, I think a, a, you know, a thing that a lot of us addicts and alcoholics, what happens, there was a girl. We started dating, and she was quite big into uh, using narcotics. Mm -hmm. And I was not, uh, I, I think I could say looking back on it now, I was not in full, I was not physically addicted to the narcotics. Mm -hmm at this point, um, or maybe even necessarily the alcohol. I was doing it a lot, but I don't think I had that physical, like where I was going to withdraw or anything like that. But it was around when I started dating this girl. Now I'm starting to uh, use cocaine and alcohol, getting close to every day. So this has gotten, um, it's gotten pretty bad for me. Now my emotions are out of whack to the point where I'm sinking into a pretty deep depression if I'm not using these substances, um, I am starting to have more mental effects of withdrawal, I suppose you could say, depression, anxiety, and um, so this continued for a while. Uh, I dated this girl for a while too. Obviously our relationship was not very healthy at all. Any relationship based off of substance use is not going to be. And it led to some pretty vicious, angry, screaming matches. And um, then it got to a point where she did actually sleep with one of my friends 
And I handled that very, very poorly to the point where I did self-harm myself. And I can kind of reflect as it was more, I wanted to show everyone else how much, look what you guys are doing to me. There was no actually intent of, I think, yeah. me trying to end my own life. And I can honestly say that now. At the time, I think even years after the fact, I'd be like, no, yeah. no, I was... But it was, I can really be honest with that. It was, I wanted to punish these people. Yeah. Um, so then at this point, I had my own apartment uh, that I was, you know, it's borrowing money from my parents to pay for. But at this point, I need to move back in with my parents. So I do. And I do somewhat clean up my act. Somewhat. I would still drink. I would still use cocaine on occasion, but I was still smoking marijuana pretty much every day, but I, I had cleaned up my act a little bit. Emphasis on a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> By degrees. Yeah, By you degrees. know. Uh, and so continuing, kind of living at home, that was a big part of, I think, cleaning up my act too. I didn't really have, you know, I had to come home there usually at the end of the day. I would crash at friends' houses sometimes. But through this, I was working and I was making a little bit of money here and there. And um, I, then I decided to go back to finish my high school diploma. I did that. So, you know, even cutting it back at that point did allow me to, to move forward a little bit in life. And then I decided to enroll in college. So I did that. I just dabbled in a couple courses. I kind of was heading down the path of doing a sociology major. I was, I was doing okay. You know, B minus, B sometimes, C. So not amazing, but you know, still pretty good. Like when I like, I was actually applying myself, unlike in high school mm -hmm. or before. Um, but then I took some acting classes, just electively. I took, I, I loved it. Now we're talking A's, A pluses. Mm -hmm. Teachers talking to me about, um, do you think about continuing doing this, uh, getting into the theater, or moving to Vancouver and getting into the film? That struck with me. Moving to Vancouver, getting into the film world. I'm like, okay. That is interesting. I had a good friend of mine. He'd already moved out there. So I'm like, that sounds great. So sure enough, uh, I'd be about 22 now. I move out to Vancouver and I go to uh, film school there. Again, I'm still using and drinking. Not every day, but, mm -hmm. but things are going good for the most part. Um, I'm doing great in film school for the most part, but it was right around... I let some of my good work in the film school kind of get to my head a little bit then because I, I did meet some other uh, actors in school and some of my friends from Calgary who had also moved out there. We, we all started drinking a little bit more. You know, it, it's not unheard of. We're in our early 20s. You hit the bar for a couple of drinks after work. But for a lot of people, it was a couple of drinks. I was kind of the guy now who never wants to leave. Mm -hmm. And, you know, being really disrespectful to the people when they did, like, oh, you pussy, and all this nonsense. Um, I did finish strong in film school, but by the end, the teachers there really take a personal investment in you. We do do some really emotional work. So they did say, it's like, we're noticing, Chuck, you're late, you're sometimes missing classes, it's just not like you. And uh, now I'm kind of back to those old attitudes. I'm like, well, what business is it of yours? And so then I finished film school, I do get an acting agent not so long after that. I start going on auditions. And, um, but still, still continuing um, by drinking and using yeah, occasionally. Mm -hmm. Drinking a little more frequently. But I was, I was at a point here too where I was still capable of going out and having a few beers and then cutting it off and going home and going to bed. Mm -hmm. Like that was still something I was kind of capable of doing at that point. Then it was when I was 24. I've got signed with this good agent. Things are going great. 
I came back to Calgary, and then I met this other girl who I'd known, who I'd actually known most of my life, but we kind of headed off at a party, and she was actually living uh, elsewhere, not even in Calgary, uh, actually, I think uh, uh, overseas, just finishing up some school, but we decided to do long distance and stay in touch, and so she came and visited Vancouver, but I did, I was honest with her, too, I used cocaine occasionally, that was actually no good for her. Probably because she's a good person. So, yeah. Or maybe just understands how dangerous cocaine can be. And you know what? That was actually some of it too because she yeah. did have someone in her family who did use it. Nothing horrible happened to them, but it caused a lot of problems for them. And then they decided to completely abstain. So, she, yeah, because you use cocaine and you're not a bad person. No, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, it was at first I said, I'm like, you know, when. Uh, she was like, oh, I really don't want you doing that anymore. I was like, yeah, yeah, okay. And I didn't really take what she said to heart. Mm -hmm. Then it got to a point where I was still honest with her about it. But she was like, I really don't like this. So she would get quite upset, cry. And it's like, this hurts me when you do this. So then I'm like, okay, I got to stop. So I, I did. I did for a few months. But then, but then it occurred to me, I'm like, I, you know what? I can do this and just not tell her. Mm -hmm. So and with that... That actually really was, I think, the next step. Like of, the progression, eh? Of the progression, exactly, yeah. of, of, um, of a negative relationship with the substance. Because now, to use the substance, I need to lie. Yeah. I was already not honest with my parents about me using it. And, well, some of my brothers and sisters, some of them kind of knew. But, so now, I'm kind of creating this where I have to flat out lie. And... It took, it's not just like I just lie. It was, it was really escalating to the point where this lie snowballs into this lie and it snowballs into that lie. So I'm living a lie at this point. And there's guilt that goes with that, which just inspires because I'm not dealing with it and I'm not changing the behaviors. It's making me use more. Um, so, but my, my acting stuff is going good. And then it was around 2016. So I would have been 27, 28. Where um, I started to do really well in the acting world. I'm booking TV shows. Um, I did uh, a bunch of commercials. And so now kind of mixed with my unhealthy relationship with substances and alcohol, um, I've actually got some money now. Mm -hmm. So I um, did... I would say that was around the time where I think things really... Another maybe for lack of a better word, level up negatively mm. with, because now I'm doing it a little bit more frequently and it became like I would plan it out. Like there'll be some days where I don't, but for any kind of good thing that would happen to me, oh, I booked a commercial. Mm. So I'm shooting this commercial. Already have it planned out that night. I am getting fucked up. Mm. And I lived with my girlfriend now at the, this point. So I had to plan how I meet the, the dealer um, because I couldn't do that in front of her, obviously. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm literally at this point where I am kind of using this more or less in front of her, but just sneaking off to the bathroom or doing this. Mm -hmm. And now it's making my behavior really bad towards her. I'm almost getting mad at her because I'm distant now. I don't really want to spend time. She's threatening to my way of life now. So I'm, I'm going off with friends. I'm more or less just saying to her, you're not invited. Um, 
like I do agree too. Like you said, David, um, addicts are not bad people, but I am acting as a bad person at this point. Acting poorly for sure. Acting poorly yep. to say the least. Yeah. Um, behaving very poorly. Behaving very poorly. Um, but because now my mind is just kind of so warped with all this stuff I'm using, I'm not giving myself the chance to reflect on the decisions I'm making. When they start to come up, I gotta drink again. That's my solution now. Now I have a way. So now it was, for years and years, it was a uh, weekend thing or a special treat after I book a commercial or a celebratory thing. Mm -hmm. Now I'm at a point where I needed to stuff down bad feelings. Mm -hmm. So as far as, you know, I, I don't want to say this. Well, I'm going to. Um, I'm kind of dead in the water now. I am definitely living a life of an active addict, mm -hmm. without question. So, um, now 2017, it's happening more frequently. I'm going out to bars. I'm staying up all night. My uh, girlfriend at the time, she would do a lot of traveling uh, for the work that she was doing and, you know, uh, visit uh, friends and family across the globe. This gave me a lot of time to do my thing. And so with all the substance use, sure enough, I did go outside the relationship. I started, I started cheating. I'll just call a spade a spade. And there was quite a bit, I felt bad about what I was doing. So I had the solution though. Now it's at the point where I will wake up hungover, feeling horrible about the decisions I made the night before. So I need to drink right then and there right then and there to stuff down these bad feelings I'm having. Uh, these behaviors continue for a bit. Um, 2018 rolls around. I, uh, I do break off my, um, uh, my relationships I'm having outside of my relationship here and there. I start another one here right when I break that one off. So I'm really completely living a lie. Sure enough, by the end of 2018, um, me and my uh, girlfriend of six years, we break up. Um, and at this point, I am drinking quite frequently, pretty close to every day. Mornings, sometimes uh, a whole day, night, into the next day. So she and I break up. I still had to live in the same apartment we shared for about a month. I moved into the other room. Um, and then finally I got my own place, but now things have gotten even worse. I am drinking so, so much. My job, I was just working in the wine industry actually, um, which that too was not helpful. I'm getting in trouble at work. I'm getting warnings too. I'm not because I was a good employee there for a while. I'm getting warnings, but they're like, Chuck, you cannot show up to work like this. Like I'm visibly fucked. Like my eyes are red, I'm pale, I'm acting erratic. Um, I'm having little bursts of, not towards anybody, luckily, thankfully, mm -hmm. but little bursts of anger, like something bad happens and I'll go in the back and like punch through a box or that kind of shit. Mm -hmm. um, I'm getting chances at work. They're, they're saying like, you can't come to work like this. Mm -hmm. um, so they would say that I would stop drinking before work for a little bit. Then I'd be like, well, I, I would do the thing like, oh, I didn't do this for two weeks. They let their guard down. I can do it again. So I started doing it again. Um, and 
So this is uh, 2019. I'm at the point now where I'm starting to have really negative physical effects mm. when I abstain for a day. Yeah. So I'm starting to go through withdrawal. Yeah. Um, like severe depression, anxiety, shaking. Um, fortunately, I didn't seem to have anything like life-threatening, but there was one occasion where it was probably about a three-day uh, bender, for lack of a where I didn't sleep. Mm -hmm. And so then I... I, uh, I end up at work and I'm abstaining at this point and then I start to shake and I start to feel really, really sick to the point where I just acknowledge like, I need to go to the hospital. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I feel like I might be having a heart attack or something. So I go there, they take my blood, they do all this and they obviously uh, ask the questions, have you been using any substances, drinking? So I actually, you know, I was honest, obviously. and. So they took my blood. It's like, you're not having a heart attack. It's like, you're obviously just having a severe panic attack or anxiety attack or something like that. And it's definitely attributed to your substance abuse and you're overexhausted. And um, so, so, but I'm at this point now too, where I go home from the hospital. I was there for like a good eight hours and I go home and I say to myself, you've got to make a change now, man. Uh, it's really time. Sure enough, I don't really sleep that night. I just sweat and roll around. Sure enough, the next day, I'm like, well, no, do it again. Mm -hmm. So then I'm keeping this up. I'm keeping this up. Things are getting worse. Sure enough, I eventually get fired. They're just like, you're... And it was around the time when I got fired where um, my parents have gotten wind of kind of where my life is going and the behaviors I'm having. Um, I go visit them. So I'm in Vancouver, right? So they had their, uh, were visiting the Okanagan. So I went visiting there for five days, abstained, kind of got through that shitty shaking. And then I go back to Vancouver and I am somewhat, oh, sorry, I should also mention when I was in the Okanagan, my mom made me go to a AA meeting. Mm. I hated it a lot less than I thought I would, actually. I was going to say, that's interesting because you were still like in the middle of stuff, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was that like going in there all messed up, though? Yeah. I mean, it was like a day. Yeah. I was definitely messed up. But yeah. I had abstained for maybe like 36 hours oh, okay. when I first okay. went. But yeah. I, was, I was still in bad shape. Um, but I went in there, and so I did the one. Again, my mom made me. Yeah. Completely. I did not want to go. And I was like making ultimatums, too. And I'm like, you know, well, if we go, we got to get cigarettes on the way and so I, I guess all, you know, things that she was like, yeah, that's fine. We'll just, as long as you get to the, I went there, I didn't hate it. And then my mom was like, I want to take it back there tomorrow. And I just didn't even argue that. I was like, okay. I go back the next day. I'd already met a few people. I was a little shocked that I go in a room and everyone just surrounds me. And it's like, oh, hi, how are you? And I'm like, well, what do, what do you care? Leave me alone. Yeah. Like, what do you want? Yeah, what do you want? <laughs> like, I just want to sit here and just, I don't know. I don't even know what you guys do here. Yeah. So. Do I owe you money? Why yeah, are you yeah. so close to me? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but you know what? I did find it kind of welcoming. Mm -hmm. I, I, I did find, uh, you know, uh, that, ah, fuck, maybe I can get on board with this a little bit. So I, uh, I go back the next day. Again, my, my mom's, I don't want to say recommendation because she would have made me if I resisted, but I didn't mm -hmm. resist. I was asked to share. And it was one of those meetings where you got to go up on that damn podium. Mm. And so I did it. 
And um, it was, uh, it felt good, actually. I thought, you know, I had people afterwards, like, that's great. You know, you're on the right path. Mm. Uh, keep coming back. A lot of this, you know. Cliche stuff. Cliche stuff. At the time, I'm just like, oh, that was. I'm very true, that. though. It's still, yeah, it's very true. Still cliche. And it stuck with me then a little bit, too, because I'm hearing this for the first time. Yeah. Now I've heard it about, you know, 45,000 times. <laughs> but, um, and, you know, but it still sticks with me, of course. Yeah. So I go back to Vancouver. My mom comes with me just to make sure I'm, I'm getting off to the right foot. She's like, I found this meeting for you. Let me drop you there. I say, okay. So I go. I meet some good people there. I agree to keep going back. I have no job at this point, too. So I'm actually taking a meet this, this meeting every day. And so timeline-wise, this is in, uh, twenty near the end of 2019. Um, so I'm hitting this meeting pretty much every day. And I do that, and I, I, I'm getting back into exercise and going for runs. I'm on the right track. Mm -hmm. But I can honestly say, in the back of my mind, I was not. I was not there in my mind. Yeah. I, um, and then I got this other job at, uh, at a warehouse that did cannabis products. I, oh, I should mention, too, I was still using cannabis at this mm -hmm. time. Um, but the, the cocaine and the alcohol, I had abstained from. So I... Um, I get this job there. The day I get the job, I call up a, a friend who's a good friend, also a party friend. So I'm like, you want to go to the movies? They were like, yeah, let's go. And then we're at the movies and we finished the movie. And then he's like, do you want to go get some lunch? I was like, sure. I'm like, let's go here, point out this bar. And I'm like, I'm like I think, you know what? And um, uh, I was like, you know what? I've, I've done these meetings for a month. Um, I've uh, abstained for a month. I must not really have that bad of a problem. I just think I was having a tough time. Yada, yada. All these justifications in my head. Yeah, but it's all possible. Yeah. You know, right? I, think I, I think it's good you said that because I think yeah. I needed that, this trial and error. We talk to, about it in the literature, man. Yeah. Do some research if you got to do some research. Absolutely. Right? Um, and, uh, yeah, you know what? what it's, I'm kind of thinking about this right now. I can look back on this part. Um, as my stories continue, things kind of get worse than ever. But of course. I think this, that, all this needed to happen to be where I am today. It's, I can be honest with you, though, yeah. and tell you that lots of people need to do research for that very reason. Exactly. You, right? you know, to be proven that they just can't. Right? That you just can't do it because, yeah. you know, uh, um, and uh, yeah. And I think I needed that. And, 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 and I needed to know that uh, things can get so, so much worse. You thought it was that bad before, Chuck? Fuck, I'll fucking show you. Mm -hmm. So sure enough, we go to the restaurant, and I didn't waste any I didn't waste any time, you know? I really think about this now. If I thought I could drink like a normal person, maybe back-to-back -to -back tequila shots with like, you know, beer chasers. And then literally after that, you know, like right away. I didn't, I didn't even order anything to eat. <laughs> That's exactly how yeah. I would go back out. Yeah. Exactly. Right. <laughs> Two shots of tequila, a boiler maker, and whatever else you got. Exactly. And it was a Mexican place too, so I wanted to honor the place by getting some tequila. Yeah. So <laughs> Well, it was festive, man. It was festive. Right? It's like I'm not an alcoholic. I'm just at a Mexican restaurant. That's right, man. So sure enough, do that right away. I tell I look at my buddy. I'm like, get on the phone with the dealer, get him down here. Yeah. Right. Like I'm talking. Our movie let out 10 minutes ago. It is and I'll just, just say now that I can reflect on now, that will be it again, worse. It's not like I would go out and have one beer. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know. Um, well, and I think that's the danger for us, Chuck. Is exactly. That we we don't know. Like we might go out for one beer, right? But, but what about like, the next time? I'm yeah, exactly. Right? I'm not taking that fucking. Risk, yeah, man. Right? You know, I'll there's stick no with, need. Stick with the pa- exactly. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so yeah, so then get back into that lifestyle. I managed to hold on to this job for a bit, but this job started the warehouse uh, job started eight in the morning. I start showing up late. I start not coming in. Um, I'm really back to kind of drinking and using whenever I can. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily every day, but it's a lot. Mm-hmm. So I lose that job. Now we're at the point, we're in 2020. So I just go unemployed for a little bit. Uh, I, uh, I made up some sob story to my parents that, oh, you know, I'm having the odd drink, but I'm an alcoholic and I'm not doing too much. I just, that job wasn't working out. I made up this whole lie. It's all lies. And so they're like, okay, we'll just lend you a little bit of money till you find something else. And I was actively looking for another job. But then now the pandemic has hit. But I do find job working in another wine shop because, you know, so the reality was there wasn't really a lot of options for work. Yeah, and the only I, things open were wine and weed. Wine and weed. You could get that, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. um, uh, and AA meetings. <laughs> and, and AA meetings, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What a um, province, man. What a world. Nice. So like, yeah, it's kind of nice during like yeah. the, the span of the pandemic. You can go get some liquor, burn your life down, and then hit yeah. a meeting. Yeah. Totally. Um, <laughs> you know, you're sitting down for no meals, but you got that. Yeah. Uh, it's an essential service. Yeah. And, you know, I do get it. You know, for those of us who are not alcoholics. Yeah. Or even of those of us who are in active alcoholism, I can't, you know. When you're trapped at home all day, yeah. you know, you want to have a few beers and you're not alcoholic. Like, I get it. Totally. I totally get it, man. Um, but so I started working at this wine store, a friend of mine who I worked with at the other wine store, I was actually his boss there. He's managing his own. So he throws me the job. Um, so I'm there. Pandemic is in full force. So I'm drinking, um, and I'm using, but it's, it's not good. I will definitely say that much, but I'm not doing it every day. I'm making it to work on time all the time. Um, it was around the summertime of 2020 where uh, bars opened back up and I had this little party crowd I was hanging around with. And um, this is where things really amped up again. And I start drinking again before I go to work. Now, I'm the only one who works at this store at a given time, usually. Sometimes there's another guy there for the first few hours. So this time it's a lot easier for me to get away with. And now I'm drinking a lot at work. And... You know, I don't want to drunk log too much, but the amount of alcohol I'm consuming is, for anyone, a very dangerous amount. And I'm a skinny dude. Um, and so... Well, we're just... You're not drunk logging. You're talking about the problem. No, right? exactly. Exactly. And, and you're talking about the progression and the escalation of the problem. Exactly. And I can reflect... Yeah. You know, it was almost like a point of pride a little bit. I go meet up with the party buddies after. I'm like, I drank this much. Yeah. And they'd be like, that's crazy, man. How, How are you alive? alive? Yeah. Right on, Chuck. Exactly. And it's kind of like, you, you know, I'm, I'm striving to get attention for all the wrong things. Yeah. And, but even with my party crowd now, my behavior is starting to get, ra- I'm very quick to anger and violence. My emotions are just completely out of whack. I'm acting absolutely insane. Um, I can be honest about this too. I'm making uh, females uncomfortable by hitting on them and acting just a complete fucking fool. Um, I'm drinking. So... Uh, I'm starting to get flack and people are starting to say, it's like, Chuck, your behavior is really messed up. And to be honest, I don't really want to hang out with you so much. And 
And these are other hard drinkers saying this to me. So now I'm just, I'm only thinking about myself and I'm just like, oh God, like, like these people don't, like I'm just such a loser, I'm such a fuck up. Thinking like that, just pity. So the drinking, the drug use just gets worse and worse and worse. And so now I'm back to every single day, all the time. Um, I'm doing things like, like lying at work, saying I have COVID. Um, pulling out all the stops just to, just to survive living like this. Yeah. Um, so then I get another job, a better job, assistant managing a wine store. I'm continuing these behaviors. Um, but now like my mental state is really a lot, a lot worse now. So I really bad depression. I can honestly say that I, you know, at night or early morning, because I'm not sleeping much at all, I am really having thoughts of ending my own life. Um, That's a I, dark spot, man. Yeah, really, I'm in a really, really bad place. Yeah. But because I, um, but at the same time, I kind of knew what I could do. I could own up to this to loved ones and say, I'm completely fucked up and I need help. But I, I just think when I get in these dark, dark states, I just stuff it down and then I wake up the next day and I feel a little bit better and I'm like, thank God I didn't do that because I want to get fucked up today. It's insane. It's like we talk about the insanity of it. It's like you were thinking about ending your own life yesterday and now you woke up today and your only solution is to do the exact same thing that led you to that point. So, but now as a result, I am burning through all of my money. I'm borrowing money from the people. I'm going to payday loan offices. I am um, burning through Everything. So um, at my job, we we worked at a wine store, high-end wines. So there was actually, if you walked around with a customer and got them a bunch of wines, you would get tips. So we had a tip pool that, you know, would be doled out to people. And they put me in charge of it. So I start skimming money off of those tips. It started just as a little bit that I say to myself, I'm going to pay back. And then it became, I'm taking hundreds of dollars out of there to purchase drugs, to go out to the bar. Um, and I, I wasn't really one of those alcoholics who would want to hold up at home and, and with a bottle of vodka. I liked to be out. Uh, so it's all bad, you know, drinking at home alone or drinking out with other people because we talk about isolation. Even though I was out at the bar with a bunch of people drinking, I am still the loneliest guy. And, and the worst part about that is the finances, like drinking at a bar is more expensive. So so to keep my lifestyle going, I'm having to make up lies to get money from people. I'm, I took serve when I wasn't uh, supposed to. I am doing whatever I can to take money. I'm ripping customers off who are purchasing something. So I'm a thief, straight up. I have to steal to keep my lifestyle going. Sure enough, work finds out, gets wind of me doing this, and I'm promptly fired. Um, and um, again, um, that day I get fired. I was already half in the bag when I went there to get mm-hmm. fired. And I knew I was going to get fired. So another coworker there said, they took you off the schedule. So obviously I'm like, well, I'm fired. I'm stealing. I'm showing up drunk every day. Like, But I went there to go take my licks. Um, I needed that liquid courage to even go do that. Mm-hmm. But why did I go do that? Why didn't I just like, you know, bail? I needed to go get my paycheck. And so sure enough, right to the bar after, 
And you know what? Go to the bar, meet up with other people, and do woe is me, I'm fired. Like, just no accountability for anything I've done. But getting good attention from that. Getting good attention yeah. from that, too. Good alcoholic attention, for sure. Good alcoholic attention, right? <laughs> and I don't tell the my other uh, uh, friends the whole story. Mm -hmm. I What I just said was, like, they caught me drinking at work. Yeah. And so, I had some good friends who would drink with me. They're still my friends to this day, but a good friend of mine, he, uh, he you know... He's a drinker for sure, but knew when to cut it off and this and that. He was one of the few people who was like, Chuck, you fucking did this to yourself, man. Mm -hmm. He's like, I love beers. I have a few beers every day. I wait till I'm done work. I go to bed at 10 o'clock at night. Um, you know, if I don't have money to go out to the bar, I don't. He's like, you know. But again, none of us know anything about what it is going to on. be an alcoholic. Yeah. Um, so, so the advice he's giving me is good, but... But he's like, so just try to cut it off when I cut it off. I don't listen to that for one day. So he's like, I'm going home. I'm like, well, you can't make me. And he's like, no. So he's like, I'm, I'm going home. Um, and so Chuck is on the floor having a tantrum. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm oh, not going. Yeah. Give me my bottle. Yeah. Yeah. I um, can picture me doing that too. So, But I want to say this friend, I don't want to name drop him, no. but... He's, the, he's still in Vancouver. He's a friend of mine to this day. Yeah. Uh, been super supportive to me and in, in my journeys. He still has his beers, um, but still living his best life. And uh, Some people can. Man. Absolutely. Yeah. And it says how proud he is of what I'm doing. And I, I, I haven't seen him since, but I look forward to seeing him again. So, um, and, uh, so I lose that job. Just, I again take some time off. I, I make up all these lies and I manage to get some family to... Throw me some money to keep me afloat. So, um, granted, it is there. I don't want to say they are not enabling me because I live in Vancouver. They are Toronto, Calgary, respectively. So they don't really. They know. don't know what's going on. Yeah. Um, I can talk the talk, too. Mm -hmm. So. Well, we get pretty good at it, man. We get pretty good at it, right? So, and if there's nobody around us, we can do all kinds of things. Absolutely right. I know because um, there's another family member of mine who is in the program as well. They didn't get away with what I got away with because they were seeing other family on a daily basis. So it was just so apparent what they're going, what's going on with them. Me, I, uh, and especially nowadays with text messaging and shit, I don't even need to speak to them on the phone. Just like text, hey, I'm doing great, yada, yada, yada. Like you could just pull the wool over, eye, over someone's eyes so easily. So I'm doing this, um, now drinking and using absolutely whenever I can. I have other friends who party who I would always make an effort if I go out with them, I'll buy you a couple drinks, you can have a bit of uh, my cocaine, knowing that when I run out of money, I can you know, call on them for the same thing. Um, and then I, when I would run out of money at this point, I would purposely only reach out to people who I knew might be holding, mm -hmm. right? Or you know, willing, willing to share, quote unquote, the love. Um, the love. Yeah. <laughs> so... But again, I'm having constant fights with my drinking buddies, uh, physical fights at this point. I'm getting black eyes. It's getting violent. Uh, our emotions particularly, well, I don't want to speak for other people, but my emotions are out of whack. I feel like people are against me. I'm getting paranoid. Uh, when I don't, when I go a day or two without it, I am going through withdrawal. Uh, the fear of the pain and discomfort of withdrawal is also keeping me drinking. I am lost. I'm completely reflected and admitted deep down to myself that I have a serious, serious problem. 
Mm-hmm. I have no fucking idea really what to do. Well, I like I know what to do, but I just don't think I have the strength to do it. Mm-hmm. So I'm just continuing doing what I'm doing, and um, it gets to a point yeah. where I do get another job again in the wine industry, and um, I am just in this so deep. I think I went to the damn job interview uh, with with several drinks mm-hmm. un, uh, under me. Um, but you know, I know what to do, right? I, I have my whole ritual in place. I carry mouthwash with me and gum and cologne and uh, the big and red gum and the mouthwash. Yeah. You know, which, um, and of course at first at a new job, I can kind of get away with it for a while. Um, because they don't know me. They might just think I'm just kind of this eccentric, erratic kind of guy. Mm-hmm. So, but so anyway, so I'm at this new job now. I am in it deep drinking constantly. Now I'm kind of at the point I need a drink to get out of that. Straight, straight up. If I don't have money or anything, I am panicking, reaching out to friends desperately, like mm-hmm. 20 bucks, please. So I can, uh, I was working at a wine store and they sell beer, uh, everything, but you know, I don't want to play too close to the chest. So there was another liquor store on the way over that I would hit mm-hmm. to, or I would also just sometimes, uh, you know, uh, just there were those little bottles that would come on top of the other bottles that uh, we were kind of allowed. It was kind of a gray area, but kind of allowed to take. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, yeah, you can take one or two. So I would just strip those things bare. Yeah. Just surviving. Yeah. Like, um, I, and I, like, just crippling depression. I'm having thoughts of self harm quite frequently. Um, uh, and so now, uh, I'm about to go to, like, I'm deep in this shit. I owe money all over the place. I've also, I forgot to mention this too, uh, around this time too, I pawned both of my prize guitars. Um, both of them, yeah. And uh, and then I got, I, there was even times where I got the money, I could get them back. But I choose to go drinking instead. And I'm just like, because they were pawned, so I could, I'm like, oh, well, I got time. I'll do it later. Um, so my life is a mess, mm-hmm. just completely. And I am just in the depths of addiction. And I am kind of admitting it to myself that I have a severe fucking problem, mm-hmm. but I'm not admitting it out loud. I'm not really willing to do anything about it. Mm-hmm. So now I go to my, um, my, uh, my sister's getting married and her wedding, she lived in New York, so her wedding is in Italy. So I go to Calgary first. I was up the whole night the night before. So I get to Calgary. Um, you know, we're getting ready to go. Me and my dad are getting in arguments just as we always do. And I'm kind of using that as fuel to kind of make everyone kind of be okay with me having drinks on the airplane and this kind of shit. So I'm just like, well, dad's being so mean. I'm just going to have a few drinks and conk out on the airplane, but I don't do that. Everyone else goes to sleep. I stay up the whole time until the flight attendants cut me off. Um, and um, so we get to uh, the wedding and I am just, you know, we're in Europe now, you know, drinking. And you know, I'm, I'm getting, getting this past my parents saying, we're on vacation and you know, it's a wedding. So I should be allowed to do what I want. My brother's drinking too. And uh, you know, we're having, we're actually having fun kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But so I'm drinking a lot there. Um, and then it's the day of my sister's wedding. At the wedding, I get in, there's been constant arguments with my dad and I'm using that as justification to just stay pickled. Mm -hmm. On the actual day of the wedding, I just get obliterated drunk. Managed to not make a total fool of myself until later on in the wedding. And then my mom's trying to get me a cab. The cab won't take me because I'm so drunk and I'm telling him to fuck off and this and that. And now I, I have to just go by what happens. I don't remember it. Mm -hmm. I black out. Um, apparently, I fell off a, like a 10 to 20 foot ledge. Wow. Oh, thank God. God was our, uh, someone, yeah, the, my higher power, I guess, was on my side there because I only had minor scrapes and, Scratches. That's because no. you were really drunk. Yeah. Really bouncy. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> we got so bouncy, man. You get so relaxed. Yeah. It's why it's why lots of drunk drivers survive car crashes, man. And the other people die. Yeah. It's because you know what? Because I I just Yeah. I didn't even yeah. Because I didn't tense up. I didn't try to get up too quick or whatever. If you I, were blacked I, out. You probably didn't even notice. No. Yeah. Uh, apparently, <laughs> my brother says that he's like you fell, and I thought you might have been dead, but no, you like you rolled over and you were groaning, and mm -hmm. but um, thought you might be dead, but you were fine. Yeah. He's like, no, he's cool. Back to the death floor, everyone. Yeah. 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 That's Chuck. Yeah. It's my brother, yo. Yeah. So. Um, but of course, the ambulance comes, I go to the hospital. When I come to, I rage at the doctors in there. Get me out of here, you're keeping me against my will. Um, and then I try to run away from the hospital, run away from my mom and my brother and um, everything. Just completely just leave me alone. I'm not hurting anyone but myself. So then I kind of hold up in my room for like the next two days in Italy. Um, I did like, they went all went out for dinner. So I used that time to go have a few shots and I'm not stopping. I'm just completely in self pity. Get on the plane back and my, everyone's like, do not drink. So we're in a first class lounge cause we had first class tickets and they just have booze sitting there. Mm -hmm. So I just sneak it into my coffee and, and enough so because I hadn't been sleeping well at all that I didn't even think I had too, too much, but I blacked out again, kind of. And then just woke up on the airplane, managed to get on there and um, get off the plane in Calgary. I managed to abstain that one night. Then I go back to Vancouver and just dive right back into using the narcotics again. And so I'm in Vancouver now for about a day. I've been drinking. And then I text my sister saying, I'm sorry that I kind of messed up your wedding. And this is kind of it for me. She kind of hits me with, um, I just cannot watch you do this anymore. Like, um, I'm pregnant, I'm going to have a baby and I'm so sorry, but if you don't want to change, my baby is not going to have his uncle. That hit me. That hit me real hard, real hard. It's like now, even in my selfish substance fueled state, I can see what I'm doing. It became more clear. Did I stop drinking right that moment? Of course not. I continued on that evening and continued to use narcotics. Then it was about 4 a.m. I'm back at home. And my sister's in Europe. I knew I can't do this by myself. Mm -hmm. I knew I could go to AA meetings and then just go drink after. Mm -hmm. I knew 
I needed a good kickstart to this. Mm -hmm. Being, I knew I needed to go to rehab. I knew it. Mm -hmm. I, so, if I knew if I reached out, you know what, it's fucked. I'm so fucked up in this state, but I'm actually thinking clearly about what the way to get to rehab. I couldn't afford it. I would need, but I knew if I talked to my mom or dad, they would say, no, no, we'll just come visit you in Vancouver. And it's no fault on theirs, but they just don't, they would just be, uh, sit there, watch me like a hawk, get mm -hmm. me through a few days and be like, well, you can never drink again. And then leave me and then I would again. Mm -hmm. So I reached out to my sister and said how fucked up I am. I was honest with her about I'm having thoughts of self-harm, uh, uh, everything. And she, I'm very grateful for her. She did pretty much everything. She found a rehab in the Okanagan. She pulled all the strings. She talked to my mom and dad. Cause I actually, at this point, I blocked both my mom and dad's number just for that evening. I didn't uh, really want it was actually not a terrible, it, it was kind of, it was, um, I knew that they might just, not even by any fault of theirs, but their comments or presence mm -hmm. would upset me. So I only was dealing with my sister. And so then the next day I had a big bottle of vodka, but this was a big step too. I managed to dump that down the sink. And, um, yeah, you know, oh, I stayed in bed the whole day, just in and out of sweaty sleeps, mm -hmm. uh, managed to order some fried chicken. Um, barely ate it. But then the day after that, I got the call there. They can take you right now. Just the only thing is if you show up, uh, drunk, they, um, they may send you back home. So now I just have to get through the next six hours or so, but there's now that urge is kicking in. I'm, I'm a little shaky. Um, well, cause it knows you're leaving it. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 And I'm just, and now I'm getting cold feet. Mm -hmm. So, but I can give myself a little bit of a round of applause in the sense that I'm like, COVID gave me all these fucking online AA meetings. I'll just try to do one of those things. Mm -hmm. So I do, I do. I explain my situation. Several guys and girls on there after the meeting were like, um, stay on here with us for a bit. So it's like, I'll hang out with you. This one guy, uh, he's like, I will stay on here and I'll chat with you as long as, until you literally got to get going. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, are you serious? I have no idea, like this, what people being of service and wanting to help other drunks. I'm like, I'm like, you want to sit here and talk to me? And he goes, sure. And um, I was like, okay. Why the fuck not, man? Yeah. <laughs> so I did, and I do, and then I get on the plane and I go to rehab, and that was August twenty seventh, twenty twenty two, and I've been sober ever since. Right on, man. So. I guess I could just touch a little bit on life and recovery. Um, I went to rehab. Uh, the first week was rough, for sure. But I can honestly say, and I got to share this with people who came in after me, because I started to have a great time in rehab. Mm. You know, goofing around, playing mm. sports with people in the backyard, watching TV. Do it. I liked doing the programming, mm. you know, um, getting to the root of addiction, learning so much about myself and about what brought me to this point and how it's not... Uh, Oh, it's not, you know, those substances are not necessarily my problem. It's, uh, it's my, uh, the way I think about things, um, the choices I make, um, that space between our ears, man. Exactly. Yep. Like, you know, uh, and I learned so much about it and, and, and I started to have a really good time. 
I made great friends there, um, some of which were doing just as great as me in recovery, others who are still on their journey, but others who have decided to do a little bit more treatment. Um, everyone's on their journey. And, um, it's all a part of it. All part of it. Yeah. And um, many of whom I wish I keep in touch with, and I got to share. I remember when this other guy, he came in about a month after me, uh, and he was saying, he's like, I just, he was there really sad at first, but then I was like, you want to play badminton? And he's like, okay. And then we're doing it, we're laughing, and then he goes, I just feel so guilty, man, when I have like a family, my wife, kids back at home, and I'm here having fun. And I was just, I remember saying to him, like, dude, but that's what we're here to learn how to do. And that's what I think your family wants to see you start doing again. Mm-hmm. And so uh, two months in rehab, um, then uh, I left and I've been sober ever since. I go to, at first, when I first got back to Calgary, probably, I'm eating every day. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I've gotten a job and, you know, I've got, I've, I've entered into a relationship. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've got like going, I go to meetings as often as I can. And it's, it's great because online meetings being an option. Um, Fantastic. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, and I also, you know, I used to, at first, too, I'm like, oh, well, I can't make the meeting because I got to leave early. That's okay, do. Go for half an hour and leave early. Mm-hmm. You know, um, life happens, right? But sometimes, you know, and I really recognize when I'm not feeling so great, whatever it is, I'm just a little annoyed or I'm pissed off or, mm-hmm. um, or you know, the big one, of course, if I feel like drinking, that's when I know I need to go. And that's when I need to make it a priority. Um, and... Um, uh, yeah, so I'm going to have 11 months sober in four days. And I uh, I can honestly say, like, recovery, um, I don't want to say recovery instead of sobriety because I've gotten sober and still kind of not been a super happy guy. Mm. But it's given me, like, just things that I didn't really know existed ever. Because even before I got so deep into drugs and alcohol, I still just would let negative emotions and negative feelings kind of consume me and run my life. And now I know I don't have to do that. There's a way to not stop them, but work through them in a healthy way. And one of the biggest things is talking to them, is talking about them, not talking to them. Um, you talk to them sometimes, yeah, you too. Talk to them. Yeah, I'm no stranger to talk to myself, too, actually. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, and uh, what, what, you know, helping out others, you know, it's talked about in, the, in, in AA uh, being of service, but... Which I do in a broad sense. I don't necessarily mm-hmm. only help out the alcoholic. I do do that, but you know, there's way more to it than that. Absolutely, you know. Yeah. Offering to buy uh, when I when I walk by Circle K and there's a uh, uh, transient gentleman sitting out there, instead of just walking by him every day, you know, when I can, can I get you something mm-hmm. within reason? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, within I can buy you the whole Circle K, <laughs> right? You know, I'm also not made of money. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I could, but then I'll be sitting next to you. Uh, but that's, you know what? Like mm-hmm. that, it's all service, man. Absolutely. It's all service. And like the way that I can is. think like that too, um, you know, uh, and, and little things like uh, being grateful when somebody gives me some service. Case in point, yeah. uh, the, yesterday, my bike wheel jammed up bad and I was way down in the west so I called my mom and I was like mom can you maybe help me out and before when I was in active addiction and just where my mind was at I would have taken out my frustration on my bike on my mom even though she's doing me that favor mm-hmm. yesterday it was just a million thank you so much for doing this I appreciate it so much be mm-hmm. grateful for being help, helped and help others it has been a huge 
Part of me, and am I perfect at it? Absolutely not. Have I made some poor choices in sobriety? Absolutely. Um, but I can recognize kind of where I've gone wrong and, uh, and recognize uh, there can be learning experiences in it too. Not getting bogged down in, oh, I fucked up, I'm a loser, I'm an idiot, I'm a failure. No, it's um, learning where I went wrong and just, you know, it's over. I did that. It's kind of like, you know, we're the only animal who regrets yesterday and worries about tomorrow. Mm. Like, I could put the past in the past, but I know I'm on the wrong path if I'm continuing to doing a negative mm. thing. Like, I've made some, you know, for example, like, I, uh, I formed a sexual relationship with someone at the treatment center and she ended up losing her job over it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and, you know, because at the time we both liked each other, it was, it was an act of love. There was probably a better way for us to go about that. Probably. Probably. Yeah. Um, a way that doesn't hurt anyone. Exactly. Probably. Yeah. Granted, you know, um, uh, was that as, you know, my heart was in the right place. But, you know, I, I could have thought, like, we could have said, we acknowledge our feelings. Mm -hmm. I'm just finishing up my programming. You work here. You're still relatively new in sobriety. Let's keep in touch. Mm -hmm. Let's, uh, that probably would have been the right thing to do. But, you know, again, you know, it's a... It's a lot to ask people. It like, is. I'll be honest with you. Like, early in sobriety yeah. for you, yeah. but also for them, right? Like, Absolutely. It's a, and, you know, and, you know, we're, it's, we're addicts, too. It's like, oh, I like you. I want it now. I want you now. Mm -hmm. And we're both on the same page. And we could be honest too, like you're probably kind of, the same age too, like pretty much, pretty much, yeah. yeah. And uh, and you know there was the the kind of taboo aspect of it, you know, kind of you know there was yeah. that too, right? We're all still human. Um, oh yeah. But but you know I can recognize that some 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 there were some negative consequences to that, right? Mm -hmm. And you know there was maybe a way to go about it differently. Mm -hmm. um, both of us are doing great though now too, which is great. Um, right on. Uh, and, um, you know, I've, I've gotten angry at someone who didn't deserve it. I've taken out some frustrations on some other people, but mm -hmm. I can recognize this now and I'm getting better with it every day. Mm -hmm. And, um, these are just things that are just not, you're not possible to, uh, to accomplish drinking and using. Mm -hmm. And so stopping the drinking and the drugs was the first step for me, you know, but I love the fact that my journey of recovery and on this quest to be a better person, I can do forever. It, it's something I want to do forever. Mm -hmm. It gives me a constant purpose in life. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I don't have to be the best fucking person on the planet, but I can be better than I was yesterday and, you know, or, or do something better, grow as a human being positively, not negatively, mm -hmm. be there for other people on in a not transactional way, so not tit for tat, like I do this for you, so you better do it for me. Mm -hmm. And I'm still learning about all this too, right? You know, um, but the gifts that I've gotten to, um, I just recently uh, started a relationship with this other girl and it's going great. She, She's not in the program and she completely supports me in this, so that's been a great thing that's happened. I've mm -hmm. also dealt with some pretty big hardships. Of addiction did, did take the life of a friend of mine. Mm -hmm. He's gone now, um, and he struggled with it for years. And the way that I would have handled that if I was an addiction myself, A, I would have drank and used, and I would have used the loss of him as a way to get pity from other people, and as a way to justify me drinking and using. Mm -hmm. But this time, my new, my new girlfriend, she was also friends with him. I 
was saddened myself and I knew the best thing I could do is I can be there for the other people who are also really hurt by this. And I did just that. And that gave, helped me to deal with it myself too. It's, you, you would think wallowing in it or, oh, I need a drink or, but going and just getting out of my, just not, it's not ignoring how I felt about it, but I'm just like, I called my other friend Lauren who, or, oh, I name dropped, but who was an ex, uh, who has been a lifelong friend of mine. She was an ex-girlfriend of the deceased. And so she, I phoned her and she was crying very upset. She's married now and has a kid. Um, but uh, so I just thought immediately I need to get over there and just make sure she's okay. And doing things like that, like I just wouldn't do these things before. I'm just, and sometimes I even amaze myself at, you know, at the good person I'm becoming. And I and recovery has given me all this, you know, mm. and you know, it's well, not what you're doing is you're pulling the layers off of, off of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's not uh, AA, NA, they've offered me a lot, but a lot of it is me dealing with or learning from certain uh, great people like yourself. Mm. Absolutely. Like, yourself, like Lucas, like many other great people who I've met in and out of the program. Mm -hmm. Like there's been other friends of mine who've been my friends for years, but I, and, and and teach me great things about kindness and being a good person, but I just never really absorbed any of it because I was too busy getting fucked up all the time. And a lot of times avoiding them because they would try to encourage me to be a better person. And, you know, I wasn't having that. Nobody wants drink. that shit when they're drinking. No, I want to get fucked up and be an asshole. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, I'll be a better person tomorrow. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And then tomorrow comes 17 years later, right? Yeah. That, that's right. Yeah. I blacked out for 17 years. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm still an asshole. <laughs> but, um, and you know what? It's uh, the, the gifts. I can really acknowledge the gifts I'm getting. Mm. I feel great. Every day is not fucking perfect, but um, I uh, I better relationship with my family. And I set clear boundaries now too. You know, if someone, whether they're in my family, someone I just met, or a, a lifelong friend, an old friend, an enemy, whatever. If I am not in a place that I want to be around you, I'm not going to be. I don't put myself in situations where I'm going to be unnecessarily upset. I, you know, I assess the situation accordingly, but, um, and I won't be treated poorly either. I allowed myself mm -hmm. to be treated poorly by people who I thought, you know, were better than me, I guess, when I was in addiction. I'm like, oh, I have to take it from this person. But then at the same time, Someone who I deemed as lesser than me, and if they gave me any shit, I'm like, well, I need to put this motherfucker in their place. Mm -hmm. No, I don't. I don't think. I, I don't think like that as much anymore. I don't need to be treated poorly, and I do not need to treat others poorly. Mm -hmm. I generally, they say this to us when we were little kids, but it really sinks in now. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Mm -hmm. So sadly, I think of that all the time, and I'm like, fuck, I gotta do better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, me too. Like I, am, I gotta I'm, do better. I am. Not, I am not. Uh, I am not perfect. Um, yeah. As of late, my uh, partner now has a three-year-old daughter, and you know, sometimes she's like, "Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to hug Chuck, or I don't want to be around him." I'm like, "What the fuck's this shit?" Like, yeah. <laughs> but then you know, it's like, okay, like take a step back, yeah. and um, it's just like, yeah, treat others way you want to be treated. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to keep going to meetings. I don't necessarily go to one every day, but I go to them as frequently as I can. I, I, I keep in touch with good people I've met in and out of the program. Mm -hmm. I, um, the idea I, is to live life, man. The idea is right? to live life. That's why we do this, right? We're here to 
And we can keep doing it as we live life. There's Mm -hmm. no reason for us to stop. Absolutely. Life doesn't require us to not go to meetings. And exactly, (laughs) exactly. Right. And um, I've uh, I've gotten, uh, you know, I I took my time, which was smart, but there were certain things when I got back here first, I wasn't comfortable going to a bar. Mm. I wasn't maybe hanging around certain hard drinking friends. But as time progressed, I I talked about it with with, uh, my sponsors. Guys, uh, and, um, you know, uh, and then, yeah, I can go hang out at a bar, have a, you know, a soda or non-alcoholic beer or something like that. Um, and I can, uh, it's, I, it's safe. I know what's, you know, what's safe and what's going to be triggering, but, you know, it's important to acknowledge where I'm mentally at. You know, if I'm in a really bad place, Mm -hmm. maybe don't go to a bar and say, I'm going to have hot wings on a non-alcoholic beer. Like, that's probably not the smartest idea. It's a bad idea. Yeah. Um, It's just more likely to drink. Oh, exactly. When it's there everywhere, and then you get talking to some other people, or you see, you know. And if you're in a weird headspace, right? Exactly. Like, it doesn't take much, so. Exactly. Um, But, but no, I can go, and it's actually kind of end with kind of this. There's little things too about like going to a bar that I always missed out on because I was just there to get drunk. Mm-hmm. Like actually enjoying the hockey game, mm. playing on the foosball table, yeah. um, kind of watching the other people get pickled. Um, yeah. um, that can't be fun, actually. It can't. Enjoying, enjoying. People act like idiots. Oh, and you know what? A lot of it now because it's fun. Again, if anyone out there listens to this and is in early recovery, you assess accordingly. But you may not want to start hitting bars too soon. Yeah, but. You know, going out there now, I can see some, and of course, no judgment, but I see some like someone else there drinking heavily and and acting kind of erratically, maybe mm-hmm. a little foolishly, and I can just be like, I did those exact same things, and then wouldn't and think I'm acting charming or mm-hmm. something, and so, think you're smooth. And- yeah, it's like yeah, it's like it's like where are the chicks at? I'm being awesome as shit, yeah. right? Like, yeah. <laughs> how are they not digging yeah. this, ladies? One at a time. Yeah. <laughs> Little but, do we know, we blacked out for five minutes and drooled while yeah, we were sleeping yeah. in, the, in the booth. Yeah, yeah. Fuck. yeah, like head on the bar and drool. It's like, <laughs> yeah. hey, do you want to have sex? Yeah, yeah. Aren't I hot? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, so, like, so I can see that. Like, I can see, you know. Um, well, and it's different for everybody, right? Absolutely. I know. For me, I didn't go yeah. for the longest time. I mm-hmm. just didn't. But it was because I didn't trust myself. And Absolutely. So, Unless I had a reason to be somewhere, I didn't go there. Absolutely. Right? I took the literal meaning out of that reading, right? It's like, unless I have a reason to go, I'm not going. Absolutely. Yeah. Right? And um, that's what I did at first. Yeah. Uh, and um, then, you know, some time came. And then the first one I went to, uh, I went with my mom. My mom was like, let's go for lunch. I'm like, well, can we go to a bar? I just want to see, like, how it works for me. She goes, yeah. She goes, I think that's a great idea. Thank you for wanting to do that with me. Um, so, uh, sure enough. And then, you know, and then um, I started, uh, you know, uh, going on some dates and this and that. And mm-hmm. um, so then I go and it was like, I was okay. And because I had enough, at least for me, support people to talk mm-hmm. to um, and enough backing me up with of what I know would happen if I was to choose to drink mm-hmm. again. Like, and then playoffs hit and then I don't have cable. So, um, yeah. But... <laughs> So, uh, well, and if you can do it, you do it. It's okay. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. you know, we like to say that everyone's not terminally, terminally unique. And with our alcoholism, we're all alcoholics. We have that in common. But what's triggering for one person is going to be different for somebody else, right? 
Well, um, as much as we're not terminally unique where alcohol is concerned, yeah. we are very unique in other ways. Exactly. Right? Like we're not, none of us are the same. No, for sure. We may have a similar problem. Exactly. That requires similar treatments, but exactly. it doesn't mean we're the same. It's all, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, we're, we're all, all, we're all our own people. Mm -hmm. And um, it's, it's more or less, even if for people who are not in, in uh, recovery, um, what's upsetting to one person is not necessarily mm -hmm. upsetting to this person. What one person finds offensive, other person. So yeah. that's the same thing I think with triggers. Like 100%. One thing that is, is definitely that I keep a good guard up is being, being a, um, my relationship with my dad, I do spend time with him, but he really can get under my uh, skin and I just, it really, really bothers me. So I just am cautious of that. Mm -hmm. um, again, no one can make you drink. I can't make anyone drink and no one can make me drink. I would make that decision myself. But I think at least for now in my recovery, I just, with certain people, I will just keep, a, keep, a, uh, keep some boundaries in place. Um, I won't allow myself to be, and like it can be like little things. Like um, mm -hmm. I don't like, I don't, don't wear those band t-shirts. I don't like those band t-shirts. Don't wear them when you come over here. Like that would piss me off mm -hmm. and there's nothing wrong. So I would just be like, okay, well then I'll just go. It's okay. So I just, you know, I would just keep a guard up about things mm -hmm. that, um, you know, and, uh, and just acknowledge that, try to acknowledge that what other people say is, uh, cause I think it's a big thing for me trigger wise. It would be me letting other people's opinions affect me too much. And I'm still working on that. Other opinions, a person's opinion of me shouldn't matter. It still does to me a little bit. So it's just something I still work with and something I just need to be cautious around right now because I don't want to sink into a bad state of, I'm like, well, they think I'm a piece of shit and you know, I'll fucking show them or I might as well drink or. Well, well and, and Chuck, I think the, I think mm -hmm. most of us, most of us wish we weren't affected by it. Yeah. Other people's stuff, but we are like we're, we're human, you know, right? And exactly. If, and here's the thing. If we love people, we're going to be affected by what they think. Mm -hmm. It's just the way it is, man. Absolutely. Otherwise we're not paying attention to them. Absolutely. And that's not love, right? Absolutely. So there's like that, that part of it is just going to be essential. Absolutely. Yeah. I very much agree with that. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think that's kind of where I'm at now. Uh, cool, um, man. Feeling great. Uh, like I said, um, you know, I know it's supposed to be one day at a time, but I am, well, I am, is. yeah, I am four, uh, four days from now. What is it? Uh, three days from now. That's 11 months. And, right um, um, it's, well, it's, and whatever, whatever powers up there willing, you and I will be taking our birthdays in August. Absolutely. So. It's, uh, I guess I'll add this too. It's kind of funny. And I talked to Lucas about this already. I'll probably do one in September because mine's August 27th. It's the day after their birthday thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, Oh, so you don't want to take it a day before. Yeah. I got you. Well, I was you. talking about Lucas and he, he, he didn't say don't, but he's like, it might be better, you know, to wait and, and I'll go yeah. with that. So, but, um, but yeah, it's, we're still August, we're still August buddies. Oh yeah. 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 Well, there's always next year. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, literally if it's a day after, like whatever. Yeah. I mean, you got to do what you feel comfortable with. And there was a time where I probably wouldn't have done, I would have done the same thing. I would have been like, yeah. I'm not jinxing this shit. Yeah, you know, I, it's I'm like not taking like a 30 a, a, days to 28 days, like no fucking way. Yeah. 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 So, you know, I'll still yeah. assess accordingly. That's but, fair. Um, and um, yeah, I got a big plan uh, uh, too, uh, you know, uh, if all goes well, of course, you know, but uh, I think I'm on the right path and I don't want to be thinking too far ahead, but 
My girlfriend's got a big dinner plan for my one year too. So cool. You know, man. there's so many good things I had that I would just be giving up on if I decided to go back out there. That's just that's just it. Well, so. and let's be honest, man. The only thing that that uh, will happen between now and then that will make you drink is you picking up a drink. Exactly. It's the only fucking thing that can and make that's you the do the only it. thing I if I just don't do that, I am yeah. good to go. Um, and that's literally how I stayed sober, man, for like three years. Yeah. Like literally was just like, no, nope, they told me I didn't have to drink, so I'm not going to drink. Yeah. And, and I really like, because I did not know that I could do that. Yeah. Until they told me. These yeah. old douchebags yeah. telling yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. I'm just kidding. They were really good and douchebags. But they were also really good. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> just I, like me. I can be a really good guy and kind of a douchebag. Well, I know you only to be a pretty good guy. Well, thanks, but, man. Yeah. Thanks. But yeah, man. So I want to thank you again for having me on here. That's pretty much my story. Uh, oh, it's been a pleasure, man. I've got some great stuff behind me in this uh, in this ten months I've had in sobriety, and I've got great yeah. things ahead of me. So I'm just gonna stick with it. I'm just not gonna pick up that fucking drink. right on, man. Yeah, because that's it. Because everything else you're doing, man, that I, that I know about is, yeah. is just good stuff, dude. It's the well, stuff that's you. gonna benefit you, right? And nothing's gonna more solidify your sobriety than not picking up. Absolutely. Because that gives you a chance to do everything else again, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, like I, you, I'm getting all this stuff back that I thought was too far gone. It comes back. It takes time, but it comes back. Fucking A, man. One thing, breaking is my mind. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. We'll leave it at that. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. Thank you.